Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, November 2nd, we're talking tech earnings. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by senior tech specialist, Evan New. Evan, how was your Halloween? It was good. The kids had a good time. You've got two young kids. What were the costumes this year? What did they get into? Uh, they did Batman and Harley Quinn. All right. And did you and your wife dress up, or did you just take the kids around? Uh, my wife is into dressing up. I am not, because I'm not fun like that. <laughs> you can't even make concessions with the kids? <laughs> Uh, I, I wound up doing two costumes this year. I had a, a Harry Potter murder mystery that I did last weekend with some friends, and then I was the uh, I was the Morty to my girlfriend's Rick of Rick and Morty uh, over the weekend. So I went from having a nice big beard to shaving it because to be a 14 year old boy for Halloween, <laughs> you cannot have a beard. Uh, but it sounds like we both had a pretty good time. I hope your kids had plenty of candy loot. It's probably driving you a little crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, we are going to be talking about our treat, Evan, and that is financial reports and some fresh <laughs> earnings takes on some companies that we love to cover. Uh, we have big earnings releases from Fitbit, Spotify, and Apple. We're going to do our best to hit all three and not get too, too long-winded. I know we can do that sometimes when we talk Apple. Why don't we kick things off with Fitbit? Uh, this is a company that has desperately needed some good news, and it seems like they finally got it with this new report. It was a pretty strong release, in my opinion. I mean, revenue was up um, about $393 million, which beat its own forecast as well as analyst expectations. Uh, the big news, I think, here is that they became profitable again because they've been losing money for, I want to say, about two years uh, as people have been really shifting away from these basic fitness trackers towards more full-featured smartwatches. And that, the big challenge has always been, can they, you know, transition from trackers to smartwatches successfully and of course they still you know sell trackers those are really popular in the middle east and africa and some of those emerging markets but in the u.s i mean it's really all about smartwatches these days so they were able to post uh, adjusted net income of 10 million dollars or four cents per share so you know getting back in the black Worth noting that on a gap basis, they did lose money. So, so we got to emphasize that adjusted <laughs> income there. Um, and exploring that outperformance a little bit, it seems like the company is seeing success with the smartwatch line. And that was really kind of the big looming question for them is with the kind of more simplified uh, fitness trackers out there, and that market being a little bit tougher with some competitors like Xiaomi in the mix, uh, can they go to the smartwatch market? and make a big splash? It seems like the answer is yes. Right, especially after their first smartwatch, the Ionic, really just flopped. I mean, that thing did not sell well. It didn't really look that appealing from like a mainstream perspective. They considered it more of like a niche performance type positioning, uh, whereas the Versa is very clearly uh, resonating much better with consumers. Um, and you know, if you remember, they've spent years acquiring different little companies to help them build their smartwatch strategy, and now we're seeing the kind of result of that. And they, you know, they sold about 3.5 million devices during the quarter. Average selling prices were up a little bit to 108 um, as you know, the product mix continues to shift towards smartwatches, which are now about half of revenue. So I do think they're making some really you know, impressive progress here. And you look at the overall market share. Uh, a year ago, they had zero percent market share in smartwatches. Flash forward now, they are one of the major players. They are in second place in this market. So not only are the financial results looking good um, in the competitive landscape, they are not only holding their own. They're they're taking market share from other players. 
Right, exactly. Since Ionic launched like in Q4 of last year, so a year ago, they they really didn't have anything. Uh, and now we fast forward to today, and you know, Android Wear or Wear OS, which used to be Android Wear, has really just done so terribly. No one's really buying those devices. So Google has really kind of failed on execution in terms of like really getting into the wearable. So I think that's really given Fitbit this opportunity to come step up and really, you know fill that need and you know, provide some type of alternative to Apple Watch because Apple Watch is still the dominant smartwatch in the world right now. But, you know, people want competition, people want alternatives, and Fitbit is really, you know, offering something else. Outside of the financials, I think looking at some of the user activity, there are a lot of really encouraging signs there. Uh, a lot of the activations that they're seeing over this quarter are from new users, and it seems like engagement with folks that had been users at some point and then fallen off uh, is starting to get revitalized a little bit. Right, because you know that's always been a big problem with you know these basic fitness trackers, just like kind of like when people you know start going to the gym and then you know you get kind of lazy and then you just stop going and the kind of the same thing like people would, would buy these fitness trackers use them for a couple months and then just stop using them because you know let's face it we're all lazy <laughs> <laughs> and you know how the big challenge has always been for Fitbit how do we keep these users engaged how do we really motivate them to stay active and you know improve their lives and health um, so they are starting to make some progress there because they did say that um, you know out of the existing users that there had bought new Fitbits this quarter. Uh, about half of them had been previously been inactive, so they are starting to get more people uh, back on the platform that had previously been dormant. After years of or quarters of declines on the revenue side, uh, the market was very happy to see some revenue growth, even if it was pretty meager. Uh, how are you feeling about this company? It's up like thirty five percent since this earnings release. Uh, does anything that you see in here change your outlook on this business? I mean, I, I do think it was a very strong report, and I do think they were making a lot of progress with this turnaround because they had been kind of on the ropes for a while with these with these fitness trackers. But at the same time, I don't think they're out of the woods yet. I mean, this is going to be a long game. I mean, we're talking about smartwatch platforms, and any platform strategy is is by def you know, by default a, a very long term strategy. So you know, they're they're making progress, but they still have to keep going. I mean, they're also in consumer hardware. It's notoriously difficult. You got to constantly innovate. You got to constantly put out new products that people like. You got to build your platform. You got to get more app developers on there. You got to, you know, there's just so many pieces to really kind of do well and maintain over time. And you're competing against literally the richest company in the world. So it's going to be a tough, but I mean, I've, I'm still, you know, that being said, I'm impressed that they've been able to do as well as they have over the past couple of years uh, with, you know, really transitioning to smartwatches that people want to buy. Yeah, for me, I, I think. You know they're guiding for what is essentially a slight decline in revenue next quarter after being basically flat year over year this most recent quarter. So it's not like the hardware segment is showing blistering growth. It's it's a nice um, return and it's a show of strength in, in some key categories for them. But hardware is still this business. It, it's all of their revenue that hasn't changed. And I and I think what makes a hardware company really compelling is if they can create a really viable. Platform and and I don't see that yet with this company. I think there's so much potential for it, but unless I start seeing the signs and I start seeing some money coming in on the software side for them, I'm going to remain a skeptic. And I think I can just find better places to put my money. Honestly, 
No, that's, I, I totally agree with you because, I mean, they've been talking about this idea of building up this services business for a long time and they're still trying and they want to get into more corporate wellness programs. But these are still like less than 1% of revenue. So, I mean, again, when it comes to building a platform, you want to kind of get away from relying totally on hardware and grow your software and services business a little bit. And, and on that front, they have not made much progress. All right. Why don't we switch gears and talk Spotify? Market was happy with Fitbit's results. Not exactly the case for Spotify. We saw a pretty big sell-off after earnings, and the company's actually down to lows uh, since they've gone public. This is the lowest we've seen shares. Yeah, the investors weren't too happy with um, Spotify. I think part of it was their guidance, but as far as the results for this quarter goes, uh, revenue came in at about $1.5 billion. Uh, premium subscriptions are, are continuing to grow, uh, so now they're at about 87 million premium subscribers, which is you know by far the, the biggest premium paid subscriber base in the world in the music streaming industry. Uh, we've talked about Tencent before, but Tencent, as we mentioned on other shows, is you know most of their users are free users, and they're not actually subscribing. Um, so, you know, Spotify is, is by far the market leader here. Uh, they were actually profitable, but that was kind of a one, one-off occurrence and actually related to Tencent Music. Uh, they had a tax benefit related to a mark-to-market adjustment regarding the value of Spotify's stake in Tencent Music. If you, know, you remember, they did an equity swap last year. And when Tencent Music filed their um, filings to go public, there was a lot of information in there that basically warranted them making some adjustments. So that's where their tax benefit came from. So that's not like a regular occurring thing. Um, and and they actually were, le- they lost less money than they thought on an operating basis, which they actually considered a negative thing. Like they said, we should have lost more money. <laughs> right. This is a company that is very much in growth mode and they are expecting to spend a lot of money, particularly on the hiring side uh, in the R&D. Uh, element of their business, uh, yeah. So they were disappointed that they couldn't spend more and bring more people on. That's right. Right, and you know, so basically, their operating margin improved. You know, I mean, they still lost money on an operating basis, but they said that you know we should have lost more. <laughs> like we we didn't hire as many people as we wanted to, uh, and that's also continuing into the fourth quarter, which is also kind of why they adjusted their guidance. So their guidance uh, for as far as their uh, financials go. They're actually now expecting to lose less money than they had previously forecast, which again they they consider a bad thing because they they know that they need to be reinvesting very heavily into this business uh, to really keep growing, uh, and and profitability will come later. Yeah, you mentioned the guidance, and I think you're right. I think that's why we're seeing the sell-off today. Uh, the reality is they've gotten bitten by their own optimism. They put out some improved guidance last quarter, looking at their full-year outlook. Uh, they re- revised all of that back down to what they were originally expecting at the beginning of the year. Um, it's not that there's a huge reset going on. We're talking about a difference of one million premium subscribers one way or the other. Uh, all told, Evan, how are you feeling about Spotify? You are a shareholder. I still think it's a you know good company for the long term. I still believe in where this company's going, and yeah, I do think this market reaction is kind of an overreaction because it's just minor adjustments to their premium subscriber outlook. And like you mentioned, it's like a million subscribers one way or the other. That's not the kind of number that's going to make or break this company. And investors, you know, sell, selling off the stock, I think, is kind of silly because we're just going back to the guidance that they issued earlier this year, which is still strong guidance. You know, they're expecting uh, 93 to 96 million 
subscribers at the end of the year, which is, again, I mean, they're by far the biggest paid streaming service out there. Yeah. And if you are buying into the long term vision of this company and you're thinking, all right, music streaming is the future, this is one of two companies that are extremely well positioned to capitalize on it in the US and in Europe, some of the big markets. Well, one million in one or two quarters shouldn't make a big difference. You know, the addressable market for these types of services is so much bigger than that. And the larger opportunity is so much bigger. So I wouldn't get too swept up in the individual guidance figures from one quarter to the next if that's the narrative that you're buying here. Right, exactly. I'm still confident I'm hanging on. I think this too is a pretty good lesson in dollar cost averaging on some positions. Uh, we've talked about some recent IPOs, we've done some deep dives, and it's really easy to get excited when you first have an opportunity to scoop up shares of a company that you've been following for some time. And I think that this movement that we're seeing is is very typical, really, for a new issuance. And you know, we're still within the first year, first couple reports of Spotify uh, as a publicly traded company. And I just take all of this as a reminder to um, why it's so important to buy into positions over time to dollar cost average, because there are going to be lumps with companies as they report. Uh, the market's going to take their lumps uh, as well, you know, as we're seeing over the last couple months. And you don't want to have a cost basis that is tied to one particular point in time. You want to benefit from those movements and kind of work down to ideally uh, a lower cost basis on your position. Yeah, especially IPOs. I mean, I, all IPOs are just so volatile and risky in the first you know year or so. Those the market's trying to figure out, you know, what is this company worth? Like, you know, take some time. <laughs> All right, our last company today, Evan, is Apple. This is one of our favorite ones to talk about, but usually this is the boring quarter for Apple. The stock is down 7% since they reported what happened. <laughs> so I think the big there's a couple there's a lot going on here with Apple's earnings. I think the one of the big reasons why it's down is the guidance for the next quarter wasn't too great, but we can get to that later. Uh, revenue jumped about 20% to 62.9 billion, uh, which is ahead of the company's own guidance. iPhone unit volumes were about flat at about 47 million, but iPhone revenue increased 29% to 37 billion, which is really just kind of the, more of the same that we've been seeing play out over the past year. Ever since they introduced the $1000 iPhone 10 last year, they've really been Pulling this uh, lever hard on pricing, and you know, pricing is really where all the growth in this business is coming from nowadays. Because the units are basically flat. I mean, past four quarters, units have been more or less flat, but revenue has been up considerably because they're charging so much for these phones now. Yeah, and it is kind of incredible that at a trillion dollar company and at a company that's putting up tens of billions of dollars in revenue, they are still capable of doing 20% growth. Uh, not that we should necessarily expect that going forward, but it is worth emphasizing that a little bit here. Uh, some of that is due to the success of the iPhone segment. Some of that is due to the success of their services segment. Right, the services hit a new record at ten million dollars in revenue for the quarter. Uh, a year ago, they had a one-time positive adjustment of six hundred and forty million dollars related to a change in a, an accounting estimate. But if you ignore, if you exclude that one-time item, that basically means they grew twenty-seven percent this quarter on services, and on a trailing twelve-month basis, services is now a thirty-seven billion dollar business, and you know. They've been reiterating this target of $50 billion by 2020. So, I mean, they continue to just march slowly but surely. Just every quarter, they're just marching closer and closer to that goal. Uh, so, I, you know, they're, they're you know, right on schedule. The story with this quarter for me is, okay, the, the past results were great, but we are going to see some major shifts in how this company reports. And, and I think that that really signals some major changes uh, with what the company expects from some of their product lines. 
the financial reporting that we've gotten used to for Apple is going to be almost unrecognizable soon. Right. So they made some very big announcements that are going to be really important for investors in terms of how they do their financial reporting starting in the new fiscal year. Uh, since they just closed the fiscal year, so we're starting fiscal 2019. So the big one is that they're no longer going to report unit sales, which is going to be very controversial because that's always been kind of the most watched figures, metrics with Apple. Um, but they're also going to start breaking things down and separating between products and services. But they are going to give more granular detail around the cost of revenue for each products and services. So you will get a much better sense of the margin profile for services versus products. And you know, with their emphasis on services over the past couple of years, which is much more profitable, that, that I think that's a good thing. But of course, it's a bad thing that you're going to lose the unit data. Um, but I think it's kind of, you know, they've been trying to shift this focus in the narrative away from hardware to services for like two or three years now. And this is kind of like the culmination of it. they're just getting rid of the units altogether. Like <laughs> it's still, it's, you can't get more clear than that. They're, they've been try, like subtly saying, Hey, stop paying attention to units. And now they're like, you can't pay attention to units anymore. <laughs> They're not giving you a choice anymore. <laughs> I know. And, and you have spent so many quarters and so many years putting together these very excellent Apple charts that track ASPs, what's going on on unit sales. Evan, all those beautiful charts are going to be rendered obsolete. <laughs> it's such a shame. In some ways, we get some more transparency. In some ways, we get less transparency. Uh, for my money, I, you know, given what a big part of the business the iPhone segment is, I would like to know the workings there and understand what's going on on the unit side and what's going on on the pricing side. Uh, obviously, my opinion doesn't matter much because they've already decided to make this decision. We just kind of have to take some solace in the fact that we'll have a better feel for what's going on on the services side. Um, also, looking forward, we, we hinted at this before, but the guidance that they gave for next quarter, it's going to be a big deceleration from that 20% growth that we just saw. Right, so at the midpoint of guidance is at about ninety-one billion. Uh, that's about three percent growth off of a year ago when they did eighty-eight billion. But this is kind of you know what we talked about before, which is you know you have this, such a huge business, it's you're running into this law of large numbers. When it's really hard to put up, you know, double-digit growth rates off such a humongous revenue base. I mean. There was like some speculation, like are they going to guide to a hundred billion dollar quarter, which would have been kind of mind boggling, <laughs> you know. But and not that that was expected. I mean, the analysts were at about ninety three, so they do have to kind of hit the high end of their guidance to meet analyst expectations, which is certainly possible. I mean, they they have done that on multiple occasions on the December quarter, which is their busiest quarter. Uh, and I mean, it's kind of silly that people are are disappointed with it because I mean they're going to be selling a billion dollars worth of stuff every day, <laughs> and, how, and how do you get? How are you disappointed with that? That is nothing to. Sneeze at. Um, with the sell-off, Apple is actually dangerously close to falling below that one trillion mark uh, that they were the first company to hit. Uh, Evan, we've talked about Apple a lot. We have both owned this stock for quite some time. I think the growth days, the crazy growth days for this company are over. This is not, if you're a new investor, your older cousin's Apple that is going to be doubling every two years. Um, what are you doing with your Apple shares, and how are you thinking about this business? I'm not doing anything with it. I'm, I've, I've always been a kind of long-term shareholder with Apple. I've never really had any temptations to, you know, sell it or anything like that. And even if, um, you know, the growth isn't really there anymore, you know, it's also worth remembering this this buyback program that they have is just so massive that you, even if you're, the top line's not going a lot, your earnings per share are going to be growing quite a bit. So that will help drive the valuation of the shares and keep them cheap, which can actually help you know, translate into more share gains. Yeah, not that they're just gonna like double from here, <laughs> but you know, I think that you know that buyback program, which you know they bought back over sixty billion dollars worth of stock 
this year so far, <laughs> ever since tax reform, they've bought back $20 billion a quarter, basically, over the past three quarters. So that's not going away anytime soon. And so I think that's going to help kind of keep that bottom line EPS number you know, strong for years to come. Yeah, they've been really excellent to their shareholders in, in terms of capital returns. That's not going to change. That that's one thing that I think we can continue to bank on so long as that cash hoard is nice and big and so long as the services segment and the iPhone segment continue to post pretty solid results, I can think we can be rest assured that that's going to be the case. I mean, so the stock is so cheap that it's I've always considered it a very safe stock. I mean, they're trading at like some like a discount to the market for sure. It's something like 13 times earnings or something. It's the stock is so cheap <laughs> that, you know, it's not going to tank or anything. It's, you know, pretty reliable play there. Yeah. All right. Why don't we wrap up there, Evan? Thanks for hopping on the show. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or you can catch all the videos from this podcast over on our YouTube channel. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!